Hey everybody, this is Alex, and this is Lunchbox Radio. Now, before we get started, I wanted to first apologize. I missed the most recent um, news show because I straight up forgot. Because, you know what's a bitch? A 13-hour time difference. It'll get you in ways you really don't expect. And one of those ways is, you stop quite knowing what day it is, and... What that turns into is something that you that you like never see coming in a million in a million years. Even when you know it's gonna happen to you, because I'm not. The, my trip to Japan was not my first international outing. I've been all over the world, but I'm never ready for fucking jet lag. It nails me every friggin' time. But on the trip back from Japan, in particular. What it does is it, like, it just shifts your time so you're not sure quite what day it is at all in a way that is, like, super new. Because I'm used to, like, European time differences. I'm not used to full day-night swap with, like, an, with like a single common hour. That, that shit is wild. Um, but on that note, um, I want to jump in to what we're talking about today and just so you know this might be a shorter episode because we're covering a one episode thing and that thing is actually called 103 mercies dragon domination but what the internet knows it as and we'll get to why i'm mentioning that in a second is ichiro oda's monster Anime considered. Lunchbox Radio. Another day is here, and you're ready for it. What to wear? Check. Breakfast, lunch, and dinner? Check. Planning for what's next and how to save for it? That's where Bank of America can help. For your financial to-dos, Bank of America has experts ready to help get you closer to your goals. Get started at one of our local financial centers or 24-7 in our mobile banking app. Find a location near you at bankofamerica.com slash talk to us. What would you like the power to do? Mobile banking requires downloading the app and is only available for select devices. Message and data rates may apply. Bank of America and a member FDSE. We took it all. We brought them to our land. An endless night. Ember hot and icy cold. The rage of the earth. We made this curse. Carved it in the blood on our backs. We did not see. We could not, but she did. And in the end... What will I become? Senwa Saga. Hellblade 2. Play it now with Game Pass. Now, before we get into the show proper, I wanted to um, first say, spoiler for this, for One Piece a little, but definitely for this. Because this is a 25-minute, essentially OVA that... Netflix agreed to um, adapt from manga form into anime form 
Um, and we'll get to why I think they're doing stuff like that in a second. But I just wanted to put a big old spoiler warning on the front here because there's no way to avoid talking about every inch of this of this 25-minute show. And that's also why it's probably going to be a shorter show because there's only there's just only 25 minutes of content in this thing. Um, but on that note, let's um, let's hear less from me and more from I as she gives us just a little just a little. Um, she takes us through the plot of the show because obviously she'll do that better than I will. You got it. Alex, Aichiro Oda's new anime on Netflix, titled Monsters, 103 Mercy's Dragon Damnation, is an adaptation of his one-shot manga, Monsters. The story revolves around Rayuma, a legendary swordsman from 400 years ago, whose legend is still celebrated in the land of Wano. The anime focuses on Rayuma's adventures, including encounters with dragons and a mix of samurai and knightly themes. Sungu Park, known for his work on Jujutsu Kaisen Season 1, directs this anime, which premiered in January 2024. The plot includes Ryuma's path intersecting with a waitress whose hometown was destroyed by a dragon, leading to unexpected trouble. Thank you so much for that summation of the plot. I that was really great. Now, before we get into talking about what I think about monsters or 103 103 Mercy Dragon Domination, which is the title they tell, they give you on the screen, but not when you're looking for it just about anywhere else. Um, I want to talk a little bit about the benefits and drawbacks of the shonen genre because, and I said spoiler, and I meant this for a reason. This, as you just heard in the um, in the summary of the plot, this takes place in the One Piece universe. And so, there's some. The reason why I want to talk about shonen advantages and drawbacks is because I think that this is a great demonstration of one of the advantages that long-running shonen action shows have, and one of the reasons why. A show like Bleach is has come back. Why Dragon Ball Z never goes away for long? Why Naruto ended and then started a new se- and then started basically a new series immediately after it, or pretty immediately after it? And the reason is is that because of the popularity of these shows, you get a kind of run-on sentence scenario, is what I'm going to refer to it as in terms of the story. And that is, the story has to keep going because it's so popular and it's making usually the publishers and everybody involved so much money that they want to make more of it. And in a creative, on a creative level, that's that's fun for authors like Ichiro Oda or um, what's his face, the guy who created Dragon Ball. Or 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 um, or or any of them that can be a really big thing. That can be a really fantastical thing. Um, now you also have things like um, Yu Hakusho specifically from um, Tagashi that like it's pretty clear when you by the time you are at the end of Yu Hakusho that Tagashi had an idea about Yu Hakusho up until about the end of the Dark Tournament arc. 
and maybe that weird psychic stuff that happens after the Dark Tournament arc. But that's kind of it. Because if you watch most of Yu Yu show, there's the um, evil spirit, the, the dark spirit detective arc, which is interesting, but not, not as, not, doesn't stand out in the way that other parts of the show have. And then he puts you in another tournament because that's what the show was built best to do. And that's what he did with the dark tournament. And it just doesn't, it doesn't like, it doesn't feel as good as the Dark Tournament. The Dark Tournament is like a masterclass in how to do a shonen battle tournament arc. But the reason is because if you look at that thing from, if you look at that thing with 2020 Vision, if you look at Yu Hawk Show with 2020 Vision, it was not built to be the like end all, be all like run for generations kind of show. If you look at something like even Naruto, which did run for years, decades, I, I think it ran for over 10 years, actually. I don't think it ran for decades. I don't think it's a Dragon Ball Z scenario. But the, or a One Piece scenario. That show had to kind of be dragged along kicking and screaming to become a like universe in which people spent the maximum amount of time in. But the the thing you get, the product you get from turning your show or your idea into something like that is really interesting and really valuable, is that you get a kind of fully fleshed out world, a world that answers questions like, and I've used this a zillion times, what is what does mail delivery look like in a in a ninja village? If you're a Naruto fan and you've watched Naruto and now Boruto, you know that shit. You know how they deliver mail in Konoha. Insane. Why would you ever need to know that? It but it adds to the world and it gives you like another layer of understanding of what's happening cuz now you're like, "Oh, this entire time like there's ninjas jumping around the village delivering mail. Even in the very early parts of Naruto, you see kind of the like work a day gig worker economy of like E rank missions that is like not going to save the world, but is more going to, you know, get a cat out of a tree, you know, going to do all these things. And later on in Naruto with Konohamaru, they show you that like those missions continue <laughs> to exist and like they continue to propagate and always be there as like a kind of training guidepost for the young shinobi and kinoichi of all the hidden villages. And I really like Naruto for this example because Naruto, once again, had to be dragged kicking and screaming into this in a real way. But the ultimate example is always One Piece. One Piece has spent decades building its world and, you know, showing you the, like, ins and outs of all of this stuff. And it's also done something that I think is really important. And that is, because you have such a huge amount of time to fill, of, like, space to fill, either manga-wise or anime-wise, with the story, you kind of necessarily can't spend it spend the entire time 
with your main cast or with your main character, certainly. So what you end up doing is you end up spending some amount of time on side characters. On characters who, in other shows, would just be a supporting character. Uh, my favorite example of this will always be the episode, the um, OVA episode, I forget what it's called, called uh, about twice from the, from the, that's meant to be the connecting tissue between, I think it's seasons one and two of My Hero Academia. Because what that show does is it confirms everybody's suspicions about quirks. Is it, it does a, it, it does this really, these really critical piece of world building that say, hey, not everybody's born with a great quirk, and not everybody's born with, like, a quirk that's safe to use. And it gives you, and it also gives you the context of, you know, what society thinks of people with weird quirks, and all this stuff. And it sets up a conversation around a character like Himiko Toga, which is one of my favorite characters. She sits on my desk and stares at me, making a fun face. Um, but for just those reasons. But my point is, is that long-running shonen can do something that other shows can't, and that is they can play within their own worlds because they've been spent they spent so much time building those worlds up that the the machinery is there to like go back in and like put in more detail or have a side story or you know for for the original authors to go back and play in that world in a way that you weren't expecting now the difference between long running shonen and kind of what we're getting now which is i would call it like medium run shonen like I suspect something like, uh, I suspect Chainsaw Man is not going to have the longest tail. Um, uh, the source material for Demon Slayer is currently finished. It's done. And, or like the Jujutsu Kaisen, I believe has ended. Like, I think the source, I think the manga for Jujutsu Kaisen is done. And there's a reason why these, why all the creators like A.A. Akatami in terms of Jujutsu Kaisen or um, What's-His-Face, the crazy man who makes Chainsaw Man or um, the author behind Demon Slayer are ending these shows, are ending these properties pretty quickly and that's because they don't... They probably don't want to spend a maximum amount of time in that scenario because you look at Oda, you look at um, um, Toriyama. Sorry, I can't believe Toriyama's name um, slipped my mind earlier or you look at um tight kubo and you see these massive worlds that in turn in the case of tight tight kobo collapsed in on him like tight kobo still had more story in him at the time to tell and the anime was canceled and the manga had to had to end had to had to have a short had to be shortened and end abruptly because it wasn't as popular as it once was. And and he, he tied it off, and he did a pretty good job tying it off, actually. But the there is that danger. That hasn't happened with a show like Dragon Ball because it's 
just behemoth marketing thing that like Dragon Ball is eternal and Dragon Ball Super will go on for as long as they need it to to keep printing money. But it hasn't happened with One Piece because Ichiro Oda has been really good about, you know, bringing his stories through and keeping all of the storylines straight and keeping all of the characters straight. And that's a really difficult thing to do. He's also had the benefit of popularity being on his side for most of the time. One Piece is, for the most part, just a juggernaut. It never dips below in, in a way that many others have. But here's where I want to look at um, Tagashi for a second again. After, after he... After Tagashi kind of almost did himself in, quite frankly, with Yu Hakusho, he, when he went back to make another manga, he made Hunter x Hunter. I've talked about, I believe I've talked about Hunter x Hunter on this show before. But, um, and I'm pretty sure you can go find that in the podcast feed in whatever you listen to me right now. But what he did with Hunter x Hunter was he kind of, deconstructed and he's continuing he's continually deconstructing and reconstructing the shonen archetypes as he needs them to tell the to tell the story he wants and have fun with it and it seems like he's genuinely having fun the way you can tell that is he goes on twitter and he's like hey i'm feeling a little bit better this month i'm gonna try and do like a quick five chapters maybe my back will not murder me for like a month um, now, another version of this is Araki, who has developed a a story function in JoJo's Bizarre Adventure that allows him to switch genres constantly. That allows him to completely throw out a, a cast of characters whenever he feels like it, replace it with an entirely new cast of characters, and tell a whole different story. The great the example of this in my mind is Stardust Crusaders, part, JoJo's Part 3, is followed by Part 4, Diamond is Unbreakable, which is a totally fucking weird Twin Peaks bizarro land thing that had nothing to do with anything else, and it's awesome. But Araki set that up with, like, the JoJo lineage and stands and all this other stuff. And he probably did that pretty specifically so he could avoid having to deal with the kinds of problems you have to deal with in something like Naruto. Where you have this massive backlog of information that, yes, you can play with, but also you're tied to. And if I had to venture to guess why, like, Gege Akutami or... Any of the more recent, especially with the Dark Trilogy, um, manga shown in manga standouts are ending their shows because they just they don't want to. It's not that they don't want to; it's that they don't. That's not where their creative ambition is to tell these big sweeping, to build these big massive worlds, and that's fine. But. Like I've said before on the show, I really enjoy the fact... I really I enjoy watching big budget shonen for two reasons. A, the budget. The budget makes it 
phenomenal to watch because you, you just pour money into these shows nonstop and they look great. The other, and they look great for the most part, the uh, or better than a show of its kind would look like with less money behind it, is really what I would say. But the other reason is, it they become these, like, experiments in world building and like once again how do you deliver the mail what does it how do you deliver the mail in konoha what does it look like in my hero academia when you get a quirk that just that is best suited to crime <laughs> or it, you get a quirk that is coded by society's evil like Kotoga's. you know what does it look like to get a driver's license in a uni- in the dragon ball z universe <laughs> you know i and those are all questions that those shows have answered because not because they needed to, not not because they necessarily wanted to, but because they needed to for the sheer amount of time spent. And that and those are like almost accidental in a weird way. Um, because they're meant to be kind of fillers, but they become like part of the fabric of the shows and all that other stuff. Where it gets really interesting is shows like this, like Ichiro Oda's Monster, once again, I'm going to call it a subtitle, 103 Mercies Dragon Domination, is an intentional prequel to the world of One Piece. And the way you know that, is, and you've heard it in the um, description I gave you, is that it's a... It's... It takes place in the land of Wano hundreds of years, like over a hundred years before the show, before One Piece even starts. And so you have like the, and you key in pretty quickly that like, oh, this is Ichiro Oda because it's like the illustration style looks like his, the main character, um, Ryuma looks like an Ichiro Oda character. But the really interesting thing about this is that they write a really... Ichiro Oda doing something really interesting here. In that he... You open up on the show and Ryuma is pretty much taken to be kind of a homeless asshole. And you meet this character who is this, like... He almost seems like a prototype, and this, I think this is probably really intentional. You meet this character who almost seems like a prototype of, um, of, uh, what's his face? Um, the, uh, the, the swordsman guy. Um, the, the swordsman guy who, um, Dora wants to defeat. Um, I forget his name. Me, who seems like a pro, prototype of Mihawk. And he's supposed to be, like this master swordsman and he declared a master swordsman because he defeated a dragon and the this dragon that showed up like 10 years ago and he's a big celebrity and this girl and this girl who runs the tavern loves him because he saved her life but what's interesting here is that the entire time your the main character never shifts away from being Ryuma and they at some point in passing are like yeah the the like the 
this great swordsman is supposed to be like the the king of it's supposed to be like the king of Wano, who's unsurpassed as a swordsman, but nobody knows who he is, and nobody's seen him in like in like a generation or something in like years. And for the entire show, for, for the entire twenty five minutes, up until a point, for maybe like the first. I almost want to say for the first 10 minutes, for the first 15 minutes of the 25 minutes, Ishiro Oda had the entire cast, had the entire universe of the show treat our main character like he's a total worthless idiot. Like he's, like he is grandstanding and he is picking fights with people. And everyone goes out of their way to, like, make him feel lesser than or small or whatever. But the really interesting part is, it's he not... The, the, the show kind of makes you understand with showing and not telling and showing fairly subtly that he's not super wrong about what he's saying. He's not... He's maybe a little misguided, but he's not quite the jerk that everyone's setting him that everyone seems to be setting him up to be. And then the the Plaza show has this guy has this guy in clown makeup show up and he blows a dragon horn and that means that a dragon summon is about to show up. And it, it, that's kicked off by Itro by um Ryoma picking a kind of picking a fight with him, but you see pretty quickly that this guy seemed to over fucking react, and this guy definitely set him up to be like I've been attacked by Ryoma by this Ryoma character. I feel wronged. I feel unsafe. I'm gonna blow this dragon horn and summon a dragon. And. After that horn's blown and the dragon, and like every, everybody, like oh shit, a dragon's coming again. They all it already wrecked the, wrecked the town ten years ago. Let's get everybody out of here. Let's evacuate, and they all evacuate to the next town. This is this is also a smart moment. They don't evacuate. Actually, they don't evacuate to the next town. They evacuate to like a nearby clearing, and everybody's and like so now the entire town's empty, and. The like great swordsman guy, the great mihawk looking guy, says, "I shall stay behind to vanquish the dragon, but first I will feed this idiot to him, and I'll feed Ryoma to him too." And Ryoma like gets out of there, but the girl stay. The girl stays. We took it all. We brought them to our land. An endless night, ember hot and icy cold. The rage of the earth. We made this curse. Carved it in the blood on our backs. We did not see. We could not, but she did. And in the end, what will I become? Senwa Saga, Hellblade 2. Play it now with Game Pass. This episode is brought to you by Shopify. Whether you're selling a little or a lot. Shopify helps you do your thing, however you cha-ching. From the launch your online shop stage, all the way to the we just hit a million orders stage. 
No matter what stage you're in, Shopify's there to help you grow. Sign up for a $1 per month trial period at shopify.com slash special offer, all lowercase. That's shopify.com slash special offer. When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. The, the girl actually, I think the girl comes back for some reason to save. Go come back to save the um, swordsman guy. But once you come back, you realize as as the audience member and, and as Ryoma and the um, the like girl realizes that these two, the um, guy in clown makeup and the Mihawk looking dude set this all up. They did did this intentionally, and they did this intentionally before, basically to loot the village of anything valuable. And they do this every couple years, and they repeat the cycle, and they use a dragon horn to kind of basically pillage where they may and where they want to. Only the last time, the Mihawk guy said, "Hey." Wouldn't it be nice if I was also famous? And so he got himself... He, like, saves the girl intentionally to make himself famous so he could, like, live in the lap of luxury. And once... Once... Our main, once Ryoma knows this, he's like, okay, that that's it. These guys are fucking done. And he actually fights them. And uh, you... This is the first time you see the switch flip with Ryoma and you realize, oh, he's a good samurai. They give you a little hint in the beginning because uh, the, one of the um, bar keeps at the bar that Ryoma crashes to get a free meal um, <laughs> notices his story and is like, that, that sword just cut right through that other thing. That shouldn't have been possible. That's, a, that's either a good sword or a good swordsman or both. And they they show the sword, and if you're keen-eyed, you'll recognize the sword as one of Zoro's swords from One Piece. Much later on in the show, one of the one of the swords I believe he picks up from um, from Logtown. I'm I'm probably misremembering or I'm missing something there because I haven't I haven't seen. One Piece comprehensively, so I couldn't tell you exactly where all of Zoro's swords come from. But I know that he picked up a new set in... a new Two new ones in Logtown. But he... So the sword's noted, and you see, like, a flash of brilliance in the beginning. But then here, you see how talented he really is. And he beats both guys to a pulp. And kills the dragon. And then by the time he's gone, everybody's like, oh, that must have been the guy. That must have been the guy everybody talks about all the time. The guy who is, like, super famous. The, the guy who is the king of this land. And then they do a really cool thing. And I, I want to be clear, though, like, 
the Wano stuff, you don't know any of the Wano stuff. And the style of this show is Ichiro Oda-esque, but it's not so... But it doesn't feel exactly like One Piece in a way that... I mean, the dragon is its own whole insane thing in a way that doesn't clue you into this at all. And then, as after the screen fades to black, you get a pull-out and, like, little white edges start on the end. And you pull out of the skull of a, of a dead zombified samurai. And you see Zoro sitting, sitting on the ground, staring up at him. As this samurai is like standing on the roof, and it uh, and he's like, "I wish I could have fought you in your time, but I'll take the sword." And it's just so. This is one great way to do this kind of thing to have this kind of to have this kind of cake and eat it too, for lack of a better term, and that is to. Go so far back in your story's history that no one can exist, that nothing can exist that did before, that did currently. And then you get the ability to have this conversation and with the audience in the form of a story that is wholly original. But you can still, very conveniently, if you're smart about it, which Oda clearly was, slot it into the thing everybody loves and therefore make it kind of like extra reading if you want it to be in a way that something like um a prequel like boruto boruto feels like if you wanted to continue on naruto's universe this is a way you could do it but if you look at um uh what's his face um that author's other work like samurai 8 it's not it's not it, Samurai had nothing to do with Naruto, but it feels so somatically similar that there was no way for it to escape the terminal velocity of Naruto. Um, a really odd thing on a, in a, from a different creator, Taikobu, um, Burn the Witch, is set in the Soul Society. It's set in the same universe as Bleach, but it's a different, the different section of the Soul Society. So what that seems to suggest, weirdly, is that the Soul Society is a lot like normal, like the human world, and that is, like, you can just go to another part of the Soul Society and it's British for whatever reason, and they're dragons. Which is very off, which is kind of what Burn the Witch feels like. And it's so strange and I love it, but it also doesn't, hang together real well. And what what Oda has done with the like world he set up for One Piece is he set up a scenario in which like each island is a thing is a thing unto itself. We we just arrived at Egghead Island and it's totally different from Wano. Wano was totally different from the from I think it was Whole Cake. You know you know all of the islands have been deeply and meaningfully different in a way that feels like your these characters are going through different cultures and encountering different cultures and indeed all of the characters on the one piece draw hat pirate crew are notably from different cultures like um 
and and at different points you've encountered parts of the show where it felt like oh this is where this character is either from or deeply belongs in the case of Wano Zoro feels like he belongs in the world of Wano because he's a traditional samurai style character um in the case of Nami she seemed like she belonged like in the Arlong Park kind of like because that was where she was literally from. Same thing with Usab. Sanji, you've met Sanji's parents and Sanji's family. You found out where he belonged, but he also, he came essentially from um, the Baratier. And he, he's informed by a lot of his experiences on the Baratier, still to this very moment. And Chopper from where Chopper came from. But... By doing that, you can have these countries, you can essentially have countries that have their own history that you can choose to play with or not play with, whatever you want to do. And it's just, uh, when I watched this, I wasn't planning on talking about it because when I realized, like, oh, there's a 25 25 minute one episode thing, I don't think it's really worth it. But the more I thought about it, the more I'm like, no, it is worth it. It's this huge phenomenon of a show like One Piece that has a side story that is essentially a prequel but is not necessary in any way to enjoy the rest of the show. But it's also fully confessing to play within the world of One Piece by the end of it. And that's why I gave a huge spoiler warning because it would like in order to talk about what was the all the interesting parts of this, you had to mention the Zoro thing and the fact that he that this character was a legendary samurai from Wano and all that story spoiling stuff. But on that note, this is where I'm gonna end it. I know it's a little shorter. It's about it's actually not that much shorter. It's we're at 35 minutes. I usually go for 40, 45, but hey. Um, if you like this episode, new episodes come out every, they're supposed to come out every Wednesday. I'll remember to do the Wednesday news show this week. I swear I'm over my jet lag. Finally. Hi, Kie. Um, and, um, they come out every Thursday, which is a new show like this about a new property or manga or anime or movie or whatever. But, um, until next time, I have been Alex. This has been Lunchbox Radio, and I will talk to you later.